on. And so Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter 12 and continuing. And I don't know if you really know, if you've picked up a theme yet in the book of Acts, but man, that church, the early church, they witnessed and witnessed and witnessed and the gospel continued to spread. Did you ever think that God was trying to teach us a lesson that a church is to spread the gospel? Did you ever think that that could be possible? If you haven't figured that one out, you haven't been listening much in the book of Acts as we've gone through it. And that's why this morning we parked a little bit of time as we realize our time is short and we realize the fact that Jesus is coming again and that judgment's coming. We need to warn people. How many of you grab some tracks today and you're going to tell someone this week and warn them? Good. I hope there'll be more hands by the end of tonight. Grab a few tracks and just pass them out this week and warn people. Uh, that's a church, our number one priority should be getting the gospel out. Well, there's a lot of number ones. We need to lift Jesus Christ and exalt our Savior. We need to edify one another. We need to evangelize the lost. But we do a lot of that as we get the, we need to get the gospel out. So I encourage you, grab a few tracks and go warn somebody this week. Warn them that judgment is coming. Warn them about how, and let them know how awesome God is. Let them hear those things. Acts chapter 12 tonight, verse number 17. Now, if you remember, for sake of review, because I know some of you don't remember what you did yesterday, so I don't expect you to remember two weeks ago on Sunday night. It's hard for me on a Sunday night to remember where I am. It's where next verse, next chapter, it works out great for me. And so I had some feedback this morning from a few different people between Genesis or the book of Hebrews. And uh, that's going to be our next Sunday morning series. We're getting close. Next week we're going to end Second Peter. And it would be, be kind of neat, the more I think about it, we're talking about the end of all things and cover the beginning of all things all in the same time span. And so I have more notes ready on Hebrews do than, I, than I do on the book of Genesis. But I get Genesis put together. And so I don't know. It would be kind of neat to do the beginning and end of all things together. And you can see the perfect, the tree of life in the garden. And then man ruins their chance with that. And then we see a perfect garden and the tree of life in the midst of it in the book of Revelation in heaven. So there's a lot of things there. So still praying about it. And so, but as we looked here, if you remember, John, James, um, James, John's brother, was beheaded by Herod. And Herod put Peter in prison. And the church was praying for Peter. And it was a miracle how Peter got out. And the Lord did a work that day. And as the Lord did that, Peter goes and knocks on the gate, and they don't believe it's really Peter. Well, and Rhoda comes out, and she goes back in without opening up the door there. And um, we see the fact that Peter is brought back to the group. The persecution is building there in Jerusalem. As we look at that, I want you to look with me in verse number 17. It says, so look at verse 16. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. That's where we end. So look at verse 17. But he beckoning, so this is Peter, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James. Now, let's think for a minute. This is not James, John's brother, because James has been killed. This is James that wrote the book of James. This is Jesus' half-brother that became really the leader and the pastor kind of 
in Jerusalem. So it's a different James now. James, John's brother, is dead. So this is Jesus' half-brother. So just remember that as we go through. So it says, and he said, Hold their peace, declaring unto them all these things. Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Why did he go into another place? Because they were probably going to come looking for him, right? Look at the next verse. Now as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. How would you have liked to have been those soldiers? And your one job, you had, you had all these soldiers, 16 soldiers. Your one job is to make sure that Peter doesn't leave the prison. And then the next day, he's gone out of his chains, and you're still there. That's not very good for you. And when Herod had sought for him, what was Herod going to do? He was bringing Peter out. My personal opinion is he just killed James. The people loved it. He's going to kill Peter. That's what he's going to do here. He's bringing him out to kill him. When he calls to bring him out, look what it says, and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. Now you remember later on, remember how Paul and Silas are in jail? And the keeper there is going to, he wants to just die because he didn't want them to kill him for them leaving. And so we see one of the reasons why is right here before our eyes, those soldiers were killed because of this. We look at verse number 20, it says, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, but, became, but they have became with one accord to him, and having made Blastus the king's chamberlain their friend, desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, it is the voice of a god and not of a man, to Herod, right? And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him, because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. It's pretty powerful right there. Isn't it amazing? You see over and over again in the Bible, you see people that really probably don't know God. Nebuchadnezzar would be a great example of that. Pharaoh. You have these leaders. And they think they've achieved what they're doing. And they get proud. And God humbles them. Pharaoh's son dies. Pharaoh's kingdom is destroyed a lot through it. Nebuchadnezzar is a wild beast going through the fields eating grass. Herod is killed. It would do our political leaders a lot of good to realize they've done nothing to get where they are. It is by God's goodness and his grace that they are where they are. It would do us all a favor to realize that we have done nothing to be anything. And we are what we are because of the grace of God and what he's done in our lives. But we see Herod dies. But we'll talk about him just a little bit. But I want you to look at the very next verse. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John whose surname was Mark. We see that in the midst of persecution, 
and Herod's death and all these things. You've got to understand something. The people there, one of the reasons why Herod persecuted the Christians and why he beheaded James and why he was going to kill Peter is because the Jews that were not Christians and of the way liked it. And political people like to make people like them. And they do what they have to do to get people to like them. You can see it today. Our governor is going all over the place thinking he can make people like him. He's traveling to Florida, traveling to all these red states because he wants people there to see that he's the liberal guy and that you can like him and what he does. And his own state doesn't even like him, but that's beside the point. That's what politicians do. As we look here tonight, we see that even in the midst of the persecution, the gospel continues to spread. In the midst of all that was going, taking place, the gospel continues. I love verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And I want to take a little bit of time tonight. I want to preach on that thought, the fact that the gospel continues to spread. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. We need your help, and I pray that you guide us and help us as we look at this passage and how we need you tonight. I pray that you would guide us and help us as we look at this passage and that we learn some things from it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We've kind of seen a pattern developing here in the book of Acts. We see that the word of God is preached. We see persecution comes. We see prayer comes. And we see deliverance from God. Then we see preaching comes. Then persecution comes. And it's a never-ending cycle is what we see. We've seen that they were preaching the word of God. Herod, the persecution comes. The church goes before God, and without ceasing, they pray for Peter and pray that God would get Peter out of there. Peter's delivered, and the word of God continues to spread. I want you to understand something. I don't care what this world and what Satan will try to do to the Lord and to his church. The devil cannot prevail against the church tonight and the mission of the church. You know, sometimes the church gets in its own way sometimes. We do. We are the church, right? We are far, we are, I mean, no one agreed with me there, but we are the church. And we might not be perfect, and we are far from perfect. And we might try to mess some things up, but even in the mess we make sometimes, the gospel will never stop going forward. Say, why? Because Jesus made it clear, and the church will not stop. The Bible says in uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And you got to remember this, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And we know that he wasn't talking about Peter, it being built on him. It's being built on that statement that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And no matter what this world will try to do, no matter what persecution might come, no matter what comes our way, Rest assured tonight that the church will stand, and it always will, and it never will stop. You know, I hear, I've heard people say, well, there was a certain time in history where there wasn't much church. There was always a faithful people to God, because God said the gates of hell will not stop his church. Don't ever forget that tonight. What a blessing that is. And as we see tonight, how do we see the fact, how does the gospel continue in the midst of tough times? You realize someday you might need the truths that we're reading about here because the persecution and things that come our way. It's not always going to be an easy thing to be a Christian. You're already starting to see that tide turn. I don't know if you've realized that. 
in our world? Have you realized the fact that the tide's turning just a little bit? And that even in our country, we're not so favorable to Christians? Look at that shooting a couple weeks ago in a Christian school. I promise you that if it would have been a drag club or if it would have been any other thing going on, they would have named it and they would have been bold that it was a hate crime. You, we have yet to hear from our president or any high leader that it was a hate crime against Christianity. Because everyone's afraid to say anything to a certain group of people. And it's only going to get worse. It's coming. The writing is on the wall. That comes from the book of Daniel. The writing literally was right there on the wall. But the writing's on the wall. Just like church, the writing's on the wall. How all the end time stuff's going to unfold. How, why people are going to take a mark, however they take it, be it a microchip, be it a barcode on their head, be it a tattoo on their arm, they're going to take the mark. Because when everybody gets scared of people disappearing and everything happening, you can get them to do anything. And we've seen that right before our eyes. And it wasn't that far away from if you don't have this done to you, you can't go places or do anything. It'd be very easy for that all to play out. The writing's there. The, what's going on with currency right now and money, it's very going to be very easy for a general federal system of worldwide currency to come into play. Very easy. And what the dollar and what people are doing with it, just keep your eyes out on it. I'm not trying to scare you because didn't we talk about this morning? We're supposed to be looking up for that new heaven and new earth. All this stuff has to happen. It does. It has to happen. And so, but I want you to understand tonight that the closer we get to the Lord coming, the harder it's going to get for us. And it would do us good to take some lessons from the early church. The church in Jerusalem was persecuted. In fact, we know that a lot of their members spread out and got out of Jerusalem. But there were those that stayed in Jerusalem. And we see, now the question tonight is this, how does the gospel continue to spread in such a, high, a hostile, hostile time? Well, number one tonight, we see through prayer. Prayer is the key. You look at verse number 17, it says here, But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And how did he get delivered from prison? The Lord delivered him, right? Why did the Lord deliver him? There was a church praying. There was a church praying for Peter. And God answers prayer, right? Now, I know you could be one of those, well, it was the Lord's will, and the Lord would have gotten him out without. Then why pray? If prayer doesn't matter, just throw it out and never use it. If prayer doesn't matter, and you're not going to get anywhere with God by praying to him, then don't ever do it. And then the Bible is a farce, because it tells you to pray a lot. You need to pray. Prayer works. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it availeth much. You see, God doesn't always answer every prayer. He hears our prayers. And he might not answer it the way we want him to answer it. 
But we see here what takes place. The fact that Peter was released from prison and all that took place, what the church was learning is that prayer works. It's what we need today in our churches. You know what we're missing in the church in America today? We are missing prayer. If we could get back to the days of the church at Jerusalem where they sat around and they just prayed, they prayed, they prayed, look at what God did. We're missing out today because we want to be entertained all the time. Let's have an activity and go have fun. Everybody will show up for that. Let's have a prayer meeting and see who shows up. Imagine if I were to tell our youth group, no more activities, no more top golf, no more going, doing anything. We're just going to come pray and do nothing else. I wonder how many of them would show up. If the ladies mean coming up, if all it was, we're just going to have a time of prayer and nothing else, ladies. No food, no games, no nothing else. I wonder who would show up. We're missing prayer. Prayer matters. Man, I'm um, going to the rescue mission again. I, uh, each week I'm going and I'm taking, uh, when we got back, sometime, I don't remember when it was, it was a long time ago, I did a series through the book of Nehemiah. I really feel as they're rebuilding, getting going, that I need to help them, and I'm going through a series in the book of Nehemiah with them. We just got through chapter number one. Do you know what the key to Nehemiah's success was? His prayer life. Every time you see him, he hears about how bad everything's going, he prays. He stands before the king, he prays. All throughout, Sambal and Tobiah, they cause issues, he prays to God. I mentioned in youth group earlier, because... These thoughts have been on my mind. One of the times, and most of the time you hear something happens with Nehemiah, he just prays about it. Towards the end of the book, the people are marrying people they shouldn't. He gets frustrated. He goes and pulls beards, punch people in the face. And, that's how, and then at the end, Lord, remember I tried. Just remember I tried. That's basically what he tells the Lord. So one time he didn't pray right away. It took him a little bit of time. And how we need prayer. Prayer is so important. And what type of prayer do we need? Letter A. We need fervent prayer. Consistent prayer. How important it is. We need to be consistent and fervent in prayer. I love this church here. They were fervent in their prayers. They were just consistent. Man, I asked our youth group today, our young adults and our kids, what's the first place you go with a problem? It says a lot. It says who you truly trust and what you truly believe, where you go with a problem. Where's the first place? You think with me tonight, when something happens, what is the first thing you do? It should be prayer. It should be. How many of you would agree the first place you should go is prayer? I'm not going to ask you if you do it because we would all be on that same boat. We don't always do it. Do you know when, every, when something goes good? What should be the first, pers- first person we tell? The Lord, thank you. Why is he always the last one? Because, and I believe, I sincerely believe you have to create habits. Like if we want to be a praying church, we have to consistently pray. And I've done it in the past. We've had prayer meetings that have lasted for a while and then no one, it end up no one shows up, and then I would let them die out. We're not going to get where we need to. We've got to be consistent. And so every week, 5.15, like it or not, that's our prayer time. And if it ends up no one shows up, I will be here. 
We're not going to stop it again. It's not stopping. We need to be consistent in prayer. And we see the early church, they were consistent. And look at, and look at what um, Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse number 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And Paul's prayer was, Lord, hey, you guys pray to God. We need the gospel to have free course for God to do work. Hey, when I go to the rescue mission on Tuesday nights, pray that God's word has free course. Wednesday night in our Bible study, pray that that happens. Pray on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, as we witness to one to others and all that takes place, how we need to be consistent in our prayers. Not only do we need to be consistent, but let her be. We see the fact that God does answer prayers. But how are you going to know if God ever answers prayers if you don't pray? A great example that just the other day, being at the rescue mission, I get to the rescue mission, and the guy, he's trying his best to get things going and trying to do things. But the problem that Michael has, so he was, his testimony is an amazing testimony. It's either really, really good or, he, or it's like too good to be true almost. But he doesn't have a driver's license. He can't drive anywhere. So there are churches that want to start having the, to get the mission more supported he needs to be able to go to churches and show the mission. He's had three churches call him, and he's like, I have no way to get there. I said, you book your meetings, and I will get someone from our church to take you. On a Sunday night, whatever it is. I said, if you don't tell me what you need, we can't help. They need Bibles. So he told me they need Bibles. Thank you for everyone that gave the money. Today or on Wednesday night, we are able to order 100 Bibles. They'll be here tomorrow. Ryan, you got a big order of Bibles coming to the house tomorrow, and I will take them on Tuesday. Thank you. Those of you this morning in that first service that gave money to Pastor Cruzby, $434 just in cash we gave him today. His wife and him were blown away. He's like, I'm going to give it to you to give to the mission. I'm like, no, you're not. You're going to take that, and you're going to keep it for yourself. And so that's, that's the sign of a true great man when he's not even wanting to keep something. And anyways, I could say a lot more there, but... I talk about the man at the, I talk about Michael at the rescue mission. He had a he, he made a flyer. It took him three hours on Word to make a flyer. I said, "Did you know our copier? We basically have free ink. Send me the file. I'll print them for you." I was wondering how I was going to get it done. I told him, "If I know what you need, and we have the possibility to be able to help you, I'll help you. But how am I supposed to know what you need if you don't ask?" Now, the Lord knows what we need. We know that. But it does say, ye have not, because ye ask not. We don't have because we don't ask. You know, I'm, I'm being serious with you here. I don't know if you've realized it. This morning, there was no parking anywhere again. None. Both services were pretty full. How are we, and now this is the thing. I don't care what size church you think that we need to have. I don't care what size church I think. I don't have a size church I'm trying to have. I want to reach people for Jesus Christ. And when we run out of place to do it, we have to change something up. If things continue where they are, something's got to change. Maybe we don't have an answer to it because we're not asking God. You have not because you ask not, right? So what are we asking God for? We need to pray. And God answers prayers. We see that before our eyes with this passage here. 
And Peter told them, look at what it says there. It says, and he said, and he told them, and he declared to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he was letting them know, hey, God did this. This is the power of God working in your lives with what you've been doing and the prayer that's taken place. And as we look at that, we see how are we going to, how's the gospel going to continue? It's going to continue through prayer. Prayer is key. And I urge you, and I urge the people of God, that in the day and age we live, we better learn to pray. Better learn to pray. You know, some of you young men, and Johnny, you're getting ready to graduate. The most important thing you will ever learn in ministry, more than any book you can read, and I think it's great to read books, I think it's great to study, it's great to do all those things. If you could learn to pray and spend time in prayer, it will benefit you more than anything else will in ministry. I promise you that. We need to learn to pray. There's lots of other things that are good too, but that's, that's a big one. Number two tonight, and let's continue on. Number two, how did they grow? Through their enemies. It's true. Do you know God used all throughout, he used enemies to help? Did you know God used Pharaoh? Did you know that God used Nebuchadnezzar? Did you know that God used Herod? He did. He did. As we look here and we think about this fact, we look and it says, God understands sometimes, sometimes and oftentimes God takes the enemies of the gospel and uses them for his good. We see the fact that Herod executes the guards. And Herod's not happy about what's taking place. He's not happy that Peter's not there anymore. And we see these things unfold before our eyes. And we realize, and you look at this, but at the end of the day, God uses our enemies sometimes. God used Saul, an enemy of the church, to spread the gospel throughout the church throughout the area you think about how did god, you think about how did god use pharaoh he taught the children of israel that they had a mighty god didn't he that their god was much greater than egypt's god nebuchadnezzar there was a lot we could talk about nehemiah and king cyrus right and all the things, and Artaxerxes, all these different kings, and what they let happen. God works, and the gospel sometimes spreads because of the enemy. It works that way. God can make it work. That's what's so amazing about God. And we see what God does. And you've got to understand something. The king was very unhappy. The Bible tells us here that he sought for him there in verse 19. He examined the keepers and commanded that he should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And as we see these different things happen, the persecution, you've got to understand something, that the hard times come, but God can use trials and struggles for his honor and for his glory. You know, we look at what goes on sometimes in our churches. We look at the struggles, the heartaches that we have. God can use those to further the gospel along. It's where verses like Romans 8, 28, they're in the Bible. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Not all things are good. Not everything we as a church will go through or everything these churches went through were good things. But God worked them together for good, and God promises to do that. 
Because God understands something. This verse is very important. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be firstborn among many brethren. You see, it's the Lord. He does a lot of things. The next verse says, them he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And then it continues on, them he justified, them he also glorified. The Lord does all of these things. And that's where sometimes the Lord can even work through an enemy to help spread the gospel. How's the gospel going to spread? It's going to spread through prayer. It might spread through an enemy. But thirdly tonight, it's going to spread through the word. The word of God is key. That's why, man, I've, I don't know, I am not a big Andy Stanley fan. Never have been, but I, if, you've been list, if you listen to him ever, and you might like Charles Stanley, his dad, and his dad had a lot, of, a lot of good things to say. I like Charles Stanley and a lot of what he said. Didn't agree with everything they said, but I don't agree with everything I say. So I got to hold that one there. But he's been doing a series, and during the series, this literally these are exact words from him. How many of you remember the song "Jesus Loves Me"? Well, I'm telling you what he says: Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. The problem is the Bible telling us so. He is completely tearing apart God's word each and every week and saying that more important than relying on God's word is relying on everything else in our world and our society's done here. The Bible says so. We will have to find a new way to reach people today but you're not going to reach them by telling them the Bible tells me so because no one cares what the Bible says. His words from his mouth. And if you don't believe me, you can go find it anywhere you want. Just listen to last week's sermon or the week before. And I wouldn't waste my time with garbage. And so you might think some of my stuff could be garbage from time to time, but when you downplay the word of God, it's garbage. It should be disputed out of your mouth and not, it's good for nothing. When you cast down the word of God, God's word, if we don't have God's word, we are in trouble tonight. You will not get, the spirit of God speaks to us through the word of God. People get saved through the word of God. The word of God matters. And yes, Andy Stanley, the Bible tells me so. And that's how I know that Jesus loves me tonight. And I don't care what someone else says about it. You got to understand something. The word of God is so important when it comes to, to all of these things. As we look here, the word of God, it grew and multiplied. You understand that? How are we going to get the gospel out? Hey, we need to pray. And sometimes God might use some of our enemies to help get the gospel going. But if nothing has changed in 2,000 years and nothing else will ever change. It is the word of God being preached that we need today. You know what's wrong with most churches today? There's no prayer and there's no word of God. When you can sit in a church service for hours and this book's never open, there's a problem. You need this book. This book matters tonight. And if this church ever gets to the point where the Word of God doesn't matter, go somewhere else. If I quit preaching the book and I don't preach the book to you, kick me out. Remember that. 
You can, you can take those words. You hear me get up and say, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. Kick me out that door. And if I don't leave, you walk out. God's word matters. We must take a strong stand for the word of God. Most people don't today. We need God's word. It's through the word the gospel is going to continue. Think about this letter A. We think of God's judgment. The Bible talks about God's judgment. We see God's judgment displayed for us right here. We see how Herod gives a speech, giving himself all the glory. And we see that he's eaten up. Say, why? Because none of us deserve glory. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 2, verse number 9, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with honor and glory. You see, Herod didn't deserve any glory. He didn't deserve any praise. Nebuchadnezzar didn't, Pharaoh didn't, and none of us do. There is one who deserves glory. There's one who deserves praise. His name is Jesus Christ. And I think that's clear. And then as we look here, we see the fact, lastly, letter B, we see by God's word. By God's judgment and by his word. So what do you mean by that? Sometimes it would be easy to get sidetracked from the word, isn't it? I mentioned the word twice. You say, why? Because you have to have an A and a B when you have an A. So you've got to have a B. Say, so why do you mention the word twice to get our attention? You notice it says right after that fact and after what happens. And the people shouted, it's the voice of a God and not a man. And Herod got caught up in it. But we see the fact that the word of God grew and multiplied. Despite all that was going on, Let me help you with this one. I get this a lot. I just got this. I get this all the time. I get people telling me, hey, pastor, this is what you need to be preaching on. This is what you should talk about. And a lot of people want me to do a lot more talking about all the current things going on in our world. Why, what America needs today. What our state needs. And this is the thing. You can go find many a preacher out there that does that. And I'm not against them doing it. But we don't need a political uprising in our churches. I want God to bless America and save America. But, oh, i got to be careful how I say this. Until America gets right with God, we're a mess. And I'm, ash I'm ashamed of my country. I don't want you to be more, I want you to be more of a Christian today than you are an American. And you, some might not like, and I am more patriotic than most sitting in this room. But you don't need me to preach a patriotic message and to stir your heart to be a better American. You need the word of God to help you be a better Christian, to help reach people for Jesus Christ. That's what the world needs. And instead of God's people here in the book of Acts getting caught up on everything going on in the world every other minute here, they just preach the word. They just preach the word. 
If you want to go somewhere and hear someone keep you up to date on every little detail and do all of that, you can go find them. As long as I'm pastoring here, you're just going to hear the word of God. And, and I, use, I get some people, I get it. And they're like, you need, to, you need to preach on this and preach on that. And you talk about all the politicians. No, I don't. Have I just preached the word of God and let the word of God do what it knows what to do. This book is more important than anything else that needs to be said anywhere. And preachers everywhere would do much better if we just get back to the book. I love the fact that they preach the word. If we're going to preach the gospel in a hostile world, we better learn to pray. And sometimes we've got to realize the fact God will even use our enemies to help move things forward. And with all that being said, it's going to happen through the word. We need God's word. And I don't care what Bible, what TV Bible preacher tells you or anything else, the word of God matters. And thus saith the Lord still matters. Even if the world doesn't want to hear what God, ha, let's just think about this. I, 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 I literally, I have a tough time with that Andy Stanley stuff. Because the world's never liked what God's word says. They didn't like it in Noah's day. They didn't like it in Lot's day. They've, the world's never liked the gospel message, right? They've never liked the preaching of this book. So if the world doesn't like what this book says and they don't want to hear the Bible tells me so, I don't care because it's still right. And we need this book, the wonderful words of life. If we're going to reach this world, we better learn to pray. We better realize that God can work in ways that we can never figure out, and he does. That's why his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. We better realize the fact it's going to be done through prayer, through God has to do it, and through this book. It's key. Don't get sidetracked. Don't let the devil mess you up. Hey, people out there that keep telling me to preach on different topics, I'm just going to stick to the book. You can send me all the texts you want. It's only like two or three different people, but you can keep sending me the texts. It's not going to change anything because it hasn't changed anything yet. I'm a pretty stubborn guy. That's why I think Margie and I like that song so much. My life is yours to control. I, that one phrase resonates with me well. I yield my stubborn will completely. That's my line in that song. Because I'm very stubborn. It takes a lot to get me to move. And so that's my principal in high school. He told me, thank God you were stubborn in the right way. Because if you weren't, we would have had a lot of problems. Probably a true statement. Prayer, hey, let, get, get a hold of God. I encourage you, when things come up in life, when things are good or bad, get into the habit of praying. Talk to God first. I love what that song says, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what need pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. God should be our first resort not our last resort. If you try everything else and then you turn to God, you're missing the point of prayer. And you're missing what God has for you. Prayer should be our first option. Prayer works. Prayer is needful. And God can work and do what he does. And then lastly, you better remember, the gospel is only going to spread through this book. Not your good ideas. Not your little this or that, through the word. We need the word. Father.